dark about cryptocurrency? Learn how to grow your money, navigate and stay ahead in this crazy new economy through easy to understand conversations with experts as we simplify the ins and outs of digital money and blockchain and how it will continue to affect our lifestyle. Pick up something new every two weeks with our crypto journalist, host Barbara Donato. Hello, everyone. My name is Barbara Donato. And welcome to Crypto Chronicles, where we delve into the world of all things cryptocurrency. Looking towards the future of money, I'm realizing more and more that as cryptocurrency becomes increasingly prevalent in our everyday life, there is so much knowledge out there that we can attain. So please learn alongside me as I talk to the experts and those in the know about the ins and outs of digital money. So my guest today is Olyinka Adarin, who is a Chief Compliance Officer for a global registered investment advisory firm, where she oversaw and managed the compliance and cybersecurity program. She now runs her own cybersecurity consulting firm, where she provides information assurance in the blockchain landscape. She also founded a blockchain consortium for Black women in 2018 called Black Women Blockchain Council, which is a benefit LLC, and it helps promote diversity and inclusion. She's driven by her desire to make all sectors of tech inclusive and diverse and has dedicated her time to create programs to introduce young girls into STEM. I am so excited to speak with you today. How are you? I'm fine. Thank you, Barbara. I'm excited to speak with you as well. So I ask all my guests this question, who or what introduced you to cryptocurrency? Oh, wow. I was introduced to cryptocurrency by a guy named Samson Williams. I reached out to Samson because I had a project that I was working on and I happened to see his name in a local news magazine that I was reading about another Black female who created her own project and she referenced him. And the first time I met Samson, he was like an out there type of person, but he had a wealth of knowledge, right? So you couldn't help but to love him. And the more I hung around Samson, the more I got to know a lot more stuff that that was outside of the interest of me reaching out to him. And he started mentioning Bitcoin and how I need to get into Bitcoin and if I don't get into it right now, uh, he doesn't know what the, how the future is going to be. And so I'm like, okay, yeah, 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 I will. And he kept, pers- he was persistent and kept asking me whether or not I got into it. And he was like, I'm going to give you a link and refer you to Coinbase. And, you know, you get some money, I get some money. It's great. We all get money. You know? <laughs> so it took me a while. Because this is something that was kind of out there and I didn't really understand it. And I wanted to take my time and understand what it is. And it wasn't actually Bitcoin that I fell in love with. It was the technology that I fell in love with. And, you know, with the blockchain technology, I was just like, oh, wow, this is cool. You know, you could do so much with this. And so after that, I started seeing that the Bitcoin price started going up. 
and went up a couple of hundred dollars. I was like, oh, well, okay, maybe I should get into this now. (laughs) So yeah, I got into it. I guess at that time it was at the wrong time because you're always supposed to buy low, sell high, but in hindsight is 2020. That was really low (laughs) compared to where we are today. So yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, a couple of hundred, a couple of thousand. Yeah. You came in at the right time. (laughs) (laughs) So you mentioned blockchain. And one thing that I keep seeing popping up is blockchain. I said this to you a little earlier where I said I was reading something and somebody had said, what blockchain are you on when they were talking about a coin? Or what blockchain are you using when they were talking about a token or a gaming app? What exactly is blockchain? Blockchain is a distributed ledger technology. And what that means is that, let me give you a a scenario. Let's say the data, which could be any information that you want to store within a device, right? Your data can be, it could be a transaction, money transaction. It could be your grades. It could be the family history, whatever, whatever data that's important to you. When you take that information and you put it into a network of computers, the computers work together to verify that information and store it within each computer in that network. And once they do that, there's also, I've mentioned there's verification going on. So once they do that, they all retain that information. And then they add it to a block. That block, once you start adding more data, let's say, for instance, I wanted to add some oral history. And the first thing is I start with my grandfather. And then after that, I want to bring in more information about my grandmother. And so the computers, which are called nodes, they will go ahead and remember what they had about my grandfather and see if there was any reference to my grandmother. If there is a reference to a my grandmother, it will then be verified and stored once again at another block. Those two blocks, they're connected together. So blockchain is just a series of blocks that are connected. There's cryptography involved, which means that the information, the data, it doesn't, it's not retained within the computer as data that we know it. It's retained as codes because it's hashed. So it's like a series of numbers and one and zeros and maybe some symbols, et cetera, that the computers use to interact with each other. So they keep that information and it's unbreakable. No one can penetrate it and go into it and manipulate the data that you have. And you're able to share that information with anyone at this point. You don't need anyone else's permission. You can take it anywhere you want. And those that you allow to add data into it, like anybody, like let's say my daughter, if she has uh, my kids or grandkids, they can add data to that particular blockchain. And that blockchain will consistently verify that information. So it's a link of all kinds of data that have been verified and timestamped and it's secure. It's immutable, unable to be destroyed or penetrated or manipulated. Okay, so from what I gather, if I have a block that's A and that block A has a a certain amount, is like my starter information. Mm -hmm. 
and block A will then link to block B, right? Block A will link to block B if block B has been verified and by the computers and say that the information or the data within block B relates to block A. Yes. Block A. Got it. It's like for, okay, so you did that. So block A will only link to block B if block B has some type of relatable information in block A that is, like you said, verified. Mm -hmm. So I'm trying to think of a different way of saying it. Okay. So I got one. (laughs) Let's say my name is Barbara and my baby girl, Angie, is in my stomach. Mm-hmm. Garrett is block. My husband is block B. Mm-hmm. But in order for me to verify that he's the baby daddy, I have to make sure that it's verified by a DNA test. Is that a good, uh, a good example? Well, okay. So in that scenario, let's say your block has all the information about you from beginning to the end, right? Right. So, and then when you go to the doctor, let's say that information is also pulled into your history. And at that point, you have already introduced Gary, your husband, into this. So when Gary adds his information, the nodes are basically working behind the scene to verify, hey, does Gary know Barbara? How do they know each other? Is there a marriage certificate that Barbara had uploaded, et cetera, et cetera? And then they verify that. And then there's, this is a high level scenario, but let's say you consistently add more information to that block. And, you know, next thing you know, you go to a doctor's office and the doctor, the patient record shows that you're pregnant. So at that point, it would be assumed that Gary is the father because you guys are married, right? Mm-hmm. But I mentioned, because we had an event yesterday and you said that you were there, but one thing that shows the weakness of the blockchain is basically the entry point. So if you're entering incorrect information, it's going to screw up the way that the information is verified. Like, let's say you entered your information and you spell Gary's name as Fred, but you meant Gary. Unfortunately, it's already gone into the block as Fred. So if Gary tries to add himself, it's not going to, they're not going to link together. It's not going to be verified for it to link together. So you have to make sure that the information that you put in on the onset of entering the technology is correct because that's the way that they're pulling information data on a, a such a fast speed to make sure that it's verified. Ah, yes. I got it. I got it. Yeah. So me, Barbara, all my history, everything is me. I'm block A, all of my history. And then, well, his name is Gary, but let's call him Gary because everybody calls him Gary. (laughs) No, that's okay. It happens. So let's say that somewhere in my, let's say if everything works out and Garrett is is in my history, Mm -hmm. he could come in order for him to link with me. His name has to be Gary because that's what I have in my history. If his name is, he decides to call himself Fred in his history and he comes over to me. Oh, no, no, honey. We cannot link up because you are not Gary. Gary is in my history. Yeah. Because you have to think these are programmable codes, right? Exactly. So they're not human. They're not going to go outside of what they know to try to pull that information to correlate. It's just going to be, what do we know right now? How can we verify that this particular block should be linked to A? 
I love it. I love that example. Thank you. Because I was, like I said, I, it was kind of like, it's very technical, mm-hmm. but it's kind of like the basis of, a, of pretty much what cryptocurrency is, right? Blockchain. Yes. Yeah. It's the foundation of a lot of the cryptocurrencies that we know. Now, some of them, they do build on top of each other, but blockchain is definitely the foundation of what we see now as the various cryptocurrencies. Now, you mentioned a weakness, and the weakness was if Garrett decided to say, or Block B didn't have any verifiable information or just had like maybe one thing off that could not be verified, it would not be able to connect with Block A. So that's a con or a weakness. Could you tell me what the pros are? Like, why is blockchain, why is, what makes blockchain such a good, I guess, tech, what piece of technology? Yeah. As you're realizing now, because you're able to store data with it and link several different data, it's beneficial because one, we know cryptocurrency, right? Cryptocurrency, you're able to do transactions on it and verify that transaction so that there won't be double spending. That's the beauty about blockchain when it comes to cryptocurrency. And double spending is basically if my block already says that I have five dollars and I spent a dollar of that five dollars, I cannot go back and say in a new transaction that I have five dollars again. That next code or that next block will automatically say, hey, you did a transaction. We verified that this transaction happened. One dollar came out and went to another chain or another person or recipient. And so right now we have verified that you only have $4. You cannot go back to $5. So there's no way that you could double spend. That's awesome. And then for businesses, uh, financial institutions, it improves the way that they do business. and improves the way that they store data. Because data, as you know, is very important right now. Data is money. And you need to be able to verify that data and make sure that data is consistent and it's restricted. And the speed that uh, the transactions can be done is is fast, as well as eventually it'll be cost effective for financial firms to go this route. Another use case is medical records. As individuals, our medical records are ours, right? Nobody else can stake a claim to it. However, We need to go back to our primary care or hospital and sign that release form for them to give it to us, even though it's us, it's ours. If you as a person decide to travel and something happens to you, that doctor in that country that you are in or the state is basically working blindly now. They don't have your medical history, which sometimes could be the difference between life and death for some people. So with blockchain, you are with certain projects out there, they're allowing you to retain the rights to your medical history by saying, hey, you can store this information in blockchain and carry it anywhere and share it with anyone. And that's the beauty about blockchain. You can share the information. Like literally, if I wanted to share something with you right now, I can literally just push it to you. Fine. Get your public key, enter it in. And hit send and you will get it instantaneously. The instantaneous transaction aspect definitely works for financial institutions because, you know, right now as an individual, 
if, and it's Friday, right? So as an individual, if we wanted to do a transaction and you say, Hey, wire me some money, I really need it right now. I can go online to my bank account and say, wire the money, but however, or ACH the money over, it takes certain amount of time frame for that to happen with the blockchain. I can once again, get your public key, enter it into my wallet, the transaction into my wallet and just push it out to you. There's certain thing called gas, which is the speed and the effort that it's used to make sure that that information gets to you at a certain time. You would have to pay for that, but it can get to you within less than five minutes as opposed to waiting a few days to get that money. And it's secure, right? And it's secure. Of course. Yes. It's secure because of the cryptography. So that information cannot be tempered with. As of right now, there's no technology out there that could penetrate. There is a thing called quantum computing, which is a a really fast computer that's able to do a lot of computations really fast. And and people assume that, that with that ability, there's the possibility that they can break the code the cryptography Ooh. code that yes, keeps the blockchain secure. Yeah, I remember. I think she had said IBM was working. Yes, on- IBM. Yep, 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 yep. So in regards to security, would you consider blockchain to be better than other uh, digital security programs or digital security? And again, I'm coming from a place of complete ignorance. Am I saying <laughs> okay. that right? Digital security programs or codes? I mean, there were some experiments in historically with digital security codes. There are none besides blockchain that's been more effective. So I would say at the moment, what we know is that blockchain is effective as a foundation for cryptocurrencies that we know now. That is awesome. So what are the different ways that people use blockchain? I know you mentioned, you know, sending money back and forth. Is that the only thing or? No, as I mentioned, there's corporations that are looking into it. There's two sides of blockchain. It could be centralized and decentralized. The way that we use it for cryptocurrency is decentralized. And what that means is that there's no individual that owns it. Bitcoin came about because a guy named Satoshi Nakamoto back in 2008 was tired of the financial institution. Because if you think about it, In 2008, we just experienced the worst financial crisis, right? We did. We did. Yes. And because of that, he was like, this is ridiculous. Why are we like at the beck and call of these financial institutions and they could basically destroy our livelihood within a few seconds or a few years or months or whatever. And they won't suffer any consequences. So his whole thing was to create a quote unquote digital currency that will free us from the financial institution. There's no middleman. There's no manipulation. We don't have to worry about someone controlling it, et cetera. So he used blockchain to create Bitcoin as we know it now. And at that time, his first transaction was, it was kind of like one of those experiments. Hey, does it work? Can I really make this thing work? And he sent a few, I believe, Bitcoins to his friend just to see if it works. And Then he published a white paper about it. And the white paper is just basically a scientific breakdown of his hypothesis. And people latched onto it. It started gaining momentum. 
between what 2009 and 2011, you could only purchase Bitcoin on the dark web. Or if you're a programmer and you're knowledgeable about that type of computing, you could be a miner and get into it. And being a miner is basically you're working as one of the nodes, one of those computers that are verifying that data. And so the mining takes a lot of energy and it takes a lot of time and um, computer power. So for the effort, because they're basically proving that that information is correct and all the network have to agree in order for it to be verified. So they're proving, they're putting that effort into it. It's called proof of uh, work. Their proof of work is rewarded with some Bitcoin. And that number has decreased into fractions now. Initially, it was like one Bitcoin for that individual and for all the individuals that are working to verify that information. But it's it's come down to fractions now and it will continue to decrease, I believe. But um, going back to what I was saying, so you needed the so decentralization is the ability for anyone anywhere to use the blockchain or use the end results of the blockchain for whatever means that they want to use it. And then at the same time, I can see there's transparency because I can see that transaction, whatever you're using it for. Like if, you know, I'm using it for medical records, I won't be able to see the medical records, but I can see that you shared your medical records with a hospital in St. Lucia or something like that. But I won't know the exact content. And the same thing with cryptocurrency, like I can see if you were to purchase something or send money, I can see that I wouldn't see you, but I would see that your public key sent, there was transaction that was being done that was sent to another public key. And a, decent, a centralized blockchain is the corporation and it's centralized because they control it. No random individual is going to be able to have access to that information. It's access control. They control who has access within the corporation. They can control what goes into the block, et cetera, et cetera. So those are the difference between the blockchain and some of the use cases for corporations is they can store any data inside of it. As companies are trying to go more paperless now, there's opportunities for them to put their information into blockchain and continue to add data into it so that they can have a chain link of information from if a company, those companies that were formed like back in 1970, yeah, they have a lot of paper trail at this point, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, Proprietary paper trail and within blockchain, they can actually literally see that formation document all the way to the current proprietary document. And what would be like, what would be good about it? And the reason why it's so secure is because like, for instance, like what you were saying, you can send me my medical records. If I'm in Africa and you're like Australia, you can send me my medical records, just me, my medical, and within minutes and no one else can break into it. No one else can see it. No one else. All they'll see is, is say, oh, look, something transpired was shared. Exactly. Something transpired. But they don't know what it what it was because of block. That is awesome. Yeah. And I wouldn't have to send it to you like you would. The way that they're trying to create the medical records project is basically you would own it. So you will already have access to that information and then you can share it with 
others. That is amazing. Somebody mentioned it during your event yesterday mm-hmm. too that this is probably something that they can use during elections. Yes. Okay. So a while, some years ago, there was a rumor that it was used in, an, I forgot which African country that it was used. It wasn't a full blockchain. There were still some kinks to it, but they did attempt to use it. And if you think about it, like right now, we're feeling the repercussion of last year's election season. We have a certain segments of the government who believe that some of it might, there's fraud somewhere. And the whole issue comes down to, can we trust and verify that the data that was used to elect our current president is accurate? And we had the previous president who's adamantly saying that it's false and he won. So with being able to store that data and having it verified, like you would have those nodes be able to verify the identity of the individual that's voting. Their votes have been counted. It's just a lot of things that we can create a system or process within blockchain that will verify that information. So therefore there's no means of questioning who, what, and where, because it's been verified in that system. However, the entry point, and and this is the number one reason why we haven't gone towards that is the entry point is the issue because you have to make sure that information is correct and people can still contest the data that you're feeding, <laughs> you know, yeah, it's wrong. <laughs> into the, yes, into it, yes. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, we can go there. <laughs> yeah, once we can get that taken care of, yeah, that would be golden. <laughs> so you mentioned use case. And again, prior to me recording, I had ta- mentioned to you how somebody had mentioned a certain coin and the response was, well, what is this use case and what blockchain is this going to be used off of? What is the connection and what what do they mean by that? <laughs> so I'm going to talk about the two cryptocurrencies that a lot of people know. There's Bitcoin and then there's Ethereum. Both of them are cryptocurrencies, um, but they're separate. Okay. So you can't store Ethereum in the same wallet as Bitcoin and vice versa, because they're built off of the different foundation of blockchain. So Ethereum is a smart contract. And the word smart is basically just letting you know that it's programming language that's used to create this. A contract is what you think it is. It's a contract between A and B. So let's say you and I, we want to do a major transaction and we need a contract. We need a legal contract. We would have to, if this was done right now, we would have to go to, when I say right now, if this is done in person, we would actually have to go to find an attorney to help us draft the contract or maybe go to legal Zoom or whatever, however comfortable we are to draft this contract so we can do this major transaction. And then we have to pay them and all that stuff and get it sealed in the the courts and registered, et cetera. With Ethereum smart contract, you could literally build the terms of the contract into the smart contract. 
and it will be just like any other legal contract. But this time we kicked out the middleman. That's the whole beauty about blockchain is decentralized. So we kicked out the middleman is between you and I. And you and I, we agreed as a legal binding that this contract is verified between, it's agreed upon between you and I. And so that's Ethereum's smart contract. Ethereum is traded as well as Bitcoin, but there's different use cases for it. So when people say, what's the use case? So Ethereum is basically a contract. For Bitcoin, the use case is just, I would say the use case is universal. (laughs) I mean, when Satoshi Nakamoto, and we don't know who this person is, it could be a black woman. I'm advocating for a black woman, right? (laughs) Because this person literally said, not here, I'm going to give this to the world and I'm going to disappear. Y'all don't know who I am. I probably didn't use my real name and all these things. And for the longest time, people are trying to find out who this person is. And there's some males who have come out and say that they're Satoshi and you can't, the only way you can prove it is if you can prove that you have a link to the address because we all know his address. So you have to prove that. Oh, I didn't know that. Okay. Yeah. And so because of the white paper that he created, so we all know his public key. So with Bitcoin, people are using it as a store of value. They're using it as a commodity. And so the use case is whatever people tie to it. And then there's some that are tied to making sure that it's totally anonymous, which means that it doesn't even track your public key. Uh, You know what? Moreto or something? Yeah. So it doesn't even track your public key. And so you're basically doing stuff behind the scene and you're totally anonymous. But yeah, so there's different use cases. And then what is it? We even have one that was created by a black woman called Guap Coin, Tavonia Evans. And Tavonia used to be the original board member of BWBC. And at her, with her time there, we were really happy to have her. And I've been able to travel with her and it's been great catching up with her sometimes at different conferences, et cetera. So the use case for Guapcoin is to pull the black money and be able to elevate the community. Because like you, before the recording, you were mentioning how it's the black community, particularly black women who are spearheading or elevating clubhouse. And there's oftentimes our buying power is so strong, but we don't realize that strength. And so Guapcoin, the intent is for us to be able to come together, pull together as a community to to promote financial inclusion and in our crypto assets and be able to use it in a way that elevates the community. Which leads me to your counsel. But first, before I say all of that, thank you so much, because I now have figured out exactly what blockchain is. So now when I do look at and I start to research different tokens, different coins, and I look at their white paper, and now I understand, even though I kind of had an idea what use case was because I'm through through speaking with others, uh, with my other guests, being able to actually know exactly what blockchain is, is going to really open me up to understanding 
now further understanding the white paper and why some of these tokens and coins were created and how they're being used and what will benefit and how they're going to benefit whoever the users are or whoever their target market is. And thank you, thank you, thank you so much for that. You're welcome. And again, if any, hopefully if my audience has any questions, they can always DM me and I can ask you to come back. Okay. <laughs> we can talk further about I'll be happy to come back. <laughs> thank you. And I really wanted to, before we close out, I really wanted to talk to you about your council. Like, why did you create it and what did you hope to achieve with it? And I know you spoke a little bit about it earlier, but I kind of want to focus on this right now. So I created the council because once I started reading more about blockchain and cryptocurrencies, I started getting interested and I was actually part of a international women in blockchain group. And that was on Telegram. And the group actually started, it started forming right before my eyes because what is it? In 2018, there was a huge cryptocurrency conference in Miami. And the speaker lineup was like all kinds of people who were in the space for a while and they had the knowledge, et cetera, et cetera. But it was like tilted like 99 to one and it was tilted towards male. And at the same time, like the after party was at a strip club, which was insulting to the females that came out to the conference. Oh, wow. Mm -hmm. You had to buy a hotel and all these things. And you're not really thinking about your demographics of attendees at this point. So the conference was heavily catered to the male gender. And the females really got upset They to the point where they were ridiculing the person who was organizing the conference. But then a light bulb switch. And it was like, you know, instead of us, excuse my word, bitching about this, why don't we create our own group? That the intention is to showcase who we are, promote us to a speaker, because the host was like, I didn't know that many female speakers in this space. So instead of allowing you to use that excuse, we're going to create a niche for ourselves. And so I joined them and it was great. But then I started to look around and realize, okay, well, there's not a lot of people that look like me. And I didn't want to be the only one. It just didn't feel right for me. And with technology, there's always that persona that either as a community we're not involved or Black females aren't interested. And so knowing that there was a sprinkle of us in the group, but there was more of us outside, I decided to create Black Women Blockchain Council to promote the projects that we do in this place to also promote us to speaker levels, advisory board member levels, educate the community. And that's the reason why we initiated our 2021 educational program yesterday. And that was an intergenerational. So there were people from the millennial age to our baby boomers and even some of the silent age and generation as well. So it's important for not only for us to see ourselves, but for us to be involved in creating this future, because this is a revolutionary future here. It's happening right before our eyes. And yes, it is. It's similar to the internet. When the internet came, it was known as the dot com, right? And some people dismiss it as just a craze, 
and didn't really think about the ins and outs of what the internet was. So they just said, you know what, forget it. But now we're literally, (laughs) this is our livelihood. Yeah. And the further we go into, you know, the year 2020, the century, we're going to be further into this. Technology is our way of life. And it's important for current generation, future generations, and generations that haven't even been a thought yet to be involved in creating a space for us and putting our foot down and making a stamp and saying, we are here. You cannot ignore us. We're not going to allow you to use that excuse again. And here's the things that we can do. And at the same time, I believe 100% that if you give an idea to a Black woman and you give her space to create something or understand something, she's going to spread the word Mm -hmm. to not only her community, but to other communities. And you're going to see mass adoption very fast. So there's strength in us as Black women and the things that we bring to the table. And we're just not going to be ignored anymore. And it's important as someone who has a daughter that I create something or be in the process of creating something where she will have a better future than my current present. I agree. And what I love about when we talked about Bitcoin and decentralization is that it gives everyone an equal footing. When you're dealing in that space, it doesn't see color, it doesn't see race, it doesn't see gender, it doesn't see religion. It's just blockchain, really. <laughs> That's what it means. And I love that. Yeah. And it doesn't see, ba- no, it doesn't see boundaries or barriers, et cetera. Because within the space, I had the privilege of traveling prior to COVID. I've had the privilege of talking to people in Japan, in China, in Europe, in India, just everywhere. And it's just like, wow, this is like, this is a movement. <laughs> you know? And I love it. I do. I, I love it. The more I learn about it, the more, I mean, it's so, wow. It's just, it's just such, such an international yes. phenomenon. It's just yes. it's wonderful. But let's go back to women. <laughs> I did notice, and my audience is not just women, it's everyone. But I will say, let's focus on women only because, again, listening to the event yesterday, 90% of people engaged in blockchain are men. Are men, yeah. Yeah. So that would make less than 10% women, you know, less than 1% black women. So what can we do other than listen to my podcast, other than join your educational seminars? What can we do to spread the word to more women and more ch- and young girls out there who we believe should get more education on not just Bitcoin, but blockchain and STEM? Yeah. So I would say encourage our younger generation to step outside of the line. The reason why I say that is 90% males, period, tend to take more risk, right? They do. Mm -hmm. But females, we tend to take precaution. And it's that precaution that's not keeping up with the pace of how the world is changing right now. And so you need to be able to take risks. And also the thing that I'm realizing is that pay attention to the younger generation Mm -hmm. because they are more involved in what the future will look like because of their consistent interaction online. 
through, you know, the different type of games that they play. Right. Right. If someone was to pay attention, what is it? 10 plus years ago, they would have realized that within these gaming systems, there's, you know, tokens that they have to purchase and all these things, et cetera. And there's actually some cryptocurrencies that are used as gaming tokens as well. So yeah, there are use cases that. that, yeah. A lot of these things are, <laughs> they're kind of life imitating art. So if you have an open mind, it will take you further. Read up on it. Don't just dismiss it because I know listening to Congress, they'll make you scared of this thing. They'll say it's it's being used by what is it, hackers and nation states, and they're doing something nefarious with it. It's dark web, et cetera, like all the negative connotation as if the U.S. dollar isn't being used that way, you know, (laughs) as if the number one way. Like FIAT is being used that way any old way. I mean, honestly, the U.S. dollar is the number one means of for a lot of these bad actors. Mm -hmm. Anti-money laundering, laundering money is through real estate. And that's the number one way that they do it. Because if you think about it, real estate doesn't really have that much regulation around it. There's a lot of loopholes. Oh, yeah, exactly. (laughs) In real estate, I noticed, or real estate finance in the finance world. Exactly. People aren't really jumping at the guns to go research a real estate transaction to see if something, you know, negative was happening or occurred there or whatever. And even if there was identified, you don't hear a lot of people going to jail because of real estate fraud, right? Right. But Congress, they'll latch on to something new and a new innovation, right? Because they don't understand it themselves. And there's there's a lot of us women that are out here who are doing a lot of work to educate Congress and Cleve Mesador is leading that charge. She's another Black woman, a Haitian Black woman who used to serve under Obama. And now she's using her connections to educate Congress on Bitcoin, cryptocurrency, et cetera, et cetera. And she's doing a great job with that. Oh, that's exciting. I did not know that. Representation matters. Oh, girl, (laughs) it matters. And what I love about my, I guess I can say my generation is that we're, we're not sitting back and just letting things happen. We're, we're the most educated. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we're not letting people put labels on us. You know, there's still some barriers there, but however, we're not sitting at home sulking. We we're taking the bull by the horn and, and leading a charge to create something to force. And I love that. And we're learning and growing. So I'm going to ask you a final question that I ask uh, my other guests as well. Where do you think the future of cryptocurrency is headed? And I I kind of have an idea of what you're going to say, but I would love for my audience to hear it anyway. Okay. So there's several ways that it's headed. Mass adoption is number one. I think the U.S. is kind of behind the eight ball when it comes to mass adoption, because there's countries that rely on these cryptocurrencies as their as their main currency of trade. And then there's countries that because of social justice is their only means to be able to do certain things that require them to protest for their lives and stuff like that. I think in the US is definitely going to be within the financial institutions. There you're gonna see a lot more financial institutions opening up the entry barriers or eliminating the barriers 
for you to be able to purchase Bitcoin. There's Visa right now, who is basically allowing people to, who's definitely in the space for Bitcoin. And it's going to be the way of life. It's going to be the way of life. And the different type of use cases that are coming out of this, it's going to blow your mind. But within 10 years, I would say it's probably going to be second nature. You know, you won't think twice about the blockchain technology and trying to understand it. You'll just know what it is on on a surface level and just go the way of the Internet. (laughs) It'll just be a common everyday thing. It'll just be it. It just is. It just is. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you so much for just sharing your knowledge with us. And honestly, for all that you're doing to spread the word amongst women and young Black women out there as well. And please keep doing what you're doing. And I would love for you to be a guest again. Just uh, Did you have a good time? <laughs> did I had a great else? time. This is great. Thank you. So everyone, please join us next time as we further explore the world of cryptocurrency. Have a wonderful, wonderful day. Bye.